Good morning, friends and faithful listeners. You've tuned into the Bible Explained podcast on this lovely morning, and we are going to be discussing Judges chapter 1 today. I almost forgot what book of the Bible we are in. (laughs) Yes, we are in the book of Judges now. So we are going to be talking about this portion that really reflects, I think, modern day Christianity, and it's not good. So let's go ahead and discuss this. Judges chapter 1, verses 22 through 36. But guys, as you have noticed, I have not been doing a pre-recorded introduction like I usually do. And that is by design because I realized I was doing two introductions. But I would really like to hear if you guys like the pre-recorded introduction or if you like what I recently started doing where I totally get rid of the introduction and just start talking about the book that we are going to be talking about. So let me know. I would like to hear your opinion on that. You're going to find my contact information in the description of this podcast episode. But let's go ahead and read Judges chapter 1 verses 22 through the end of the chapter and discuss this this portion that just really reflects, I think, where the church is nowadays. So I'm going to be reading out of the W.E.B., but please feel free to grab the version of the Bible that you prefer to read out of. And also, don't forget to grab your delicious cup of seven weeks coffee or a cup of tea this morning. I really need to find a tea affiliate. I have seven weeks coffee now, but I got to get one for you tea drinkers, you crazy, crazy tea drinkers that prefer tea over coffee for whatever reason. I will never understand, but you still deserve good tea. So I have to find a tea sponsor. (laughs) But okay, let's go ahead and read Judges chapter 1, 22 through 36 this morning. The house of Joseph also went up against Bethel, and Yahweh was with them. The house of Joseph sent to spy out Bethel. The name of the city before that was Luz. The watchers saw a man coming out of the city, and they said to him, Please show us the entrance into the city, and we will deal kindly with you. He showed them the entrance into the city, and they struck the city with the edge of the sword, but they let the man and all his family go. The man went into the land of the Hittites, built a city, and called its name Luz, which is its name to this day. Manasseh didn't drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shean in its towns, nor Tanakh in its towns, nor the inhabitants of Dor in its towns, nor the inhabitants of Ebleam and its towns, nor the inhabitants of Megiddo in its towns, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. When Israel had grown strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor and didn't utterly drive them out. Ephraim didn't drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer, but the Canaanites lived in Gezer among them. Zebulun didn't drive out the inhabitants of Ketron, nor the inhabitants of Nahalal, but the Canaanites lived among them and became subject to forced labor. Asher didn't drive out the inhabitants of Akko, nor the inhabitants of Sidon, nor of Alab, nor of Axib, nor of Helba, nor of Aphek, nor of Rehob. But the Asherites lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they didn't drive them out. Naphtali didn't drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, nor the inhabitants of Beth Anath, but he lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath became subject to forced labor. The Amorites forced the children of Dan into the hill country, for they would not allow them to come down into the valley. But the Amorites would dwell in Mount Heres, in Ajalon, and in Shalbim. Yet the hand of the house of Joseph prevailed, so that they became subjects to forced labor. The border of the Amorites went from the ascent of Akrabim, from the rock and upward. All right, can you see where I'm going with how this relates to the modern church? It's going to be a lecture, basically, this entire thing. I'm going to lecture everybody. Okay, so um, so 
Verse 22 talks about the house of Joseph, which is actually pretty interesting because typically the house of Joseph was divided into the two half tribes, which was Manasseh and Ephraim. But in this occasion, they came together, those two half tribes, to make the entire tribe of Joseph. And so it says they went up against Bethel and Yahweh was with them. So it says that the house of Joseph sent some men to spy out Bethel and the name of the city before that was Luz. So these two spies, it says in verse 24, saw this guy coming out of the city. So they go up to the guy and they're just like, hey, you know, if you tell us where the entrance of the city is and how we can get in very easily, we're going to let you live and we'll let your family live as well. And the man was like, yes, I'll betray my countrymen. (laughs) And so he shows the Israelites how to easily get into the city. So the house of Joseph goes into the city of Bethel and completely takes it. It said they left no one alive except for that man and his entire family. So what's this man do? He actually goes and lives among the Hittite clan and builds a city and calls it Loose. So this guy literally just made a Loose number two. Like that's what he did. It really shows the difference between this man and Rahab. The reason she betrayed the city of Jericho was because she loved Yahweh and because she knew that this was Yahweh's plans. And because of this, Rahab was considered to be a faithful woman and she ended up being in the line of Christ, actually. So there's a huge difference between Rahab and this guy here. This guy didn't want to leave his Canaanite ways behind. All he was looking out for was himself. That's it. He just wanted to survive. And so he doesn't end up integrating into Israeli culture the way Rahab did. Instead, he goes and takes his culture with him and all of his gods with him and goes and makes city of loose number two, basically. And so that's what ends up happening there. But the tribe of Joseph was still successful at taking the city named Loose, which they ended up renaming Bethel. So after this, it talks about in verses 27 through 36, all these failed attempts from the other tribes to take cities. Now, there shouldn't have been any failed attempts. That's the problem here, because God was totally on the side of the Israelites. So the only way the Israelites would have had a failed attempt at taking a city was if the Israelites were doing something wrong themselves. Either their faith wasn't good enough or they had greed, which we see a lot of greed happening actually here in this passage, or they're sinning in some way. So Whenever a person is unable to do something when God is on their side, that means that there is a fault with the person, not with God. Because what does it say actually in verse 22? It says, when Joseph went up to take a loose or Bethel, it says Yahweh was with them. And so, of course, the, the house of Joseph was successful in taking Bethel. But unfortunately, all these other tribes were unsuccessful at taking their portion of land that God was going to give them. And part of the reason I think why they were so unsuccessful was because not only was their faith a little bit weaker than it should have been, but also they wanted it easy, just like every person does. Every single person wants it easy. For example, I I stubbed my toe so bad the other day. I was like walking into my living room and I just caught the edge of my couch with my toe and destroyed my toe. That's a little bit dramatic, but that's how it felt. Like it felt like my toe shattered into a million 
pieces and also my toenail was like ripped so it was really really bad but I was like why is life like this there is nothing that angers me more than me stubbing my toe I'm not even joking like I I turn into a monster when this happens and so I stub my toe and I'm like god why is life so irritating like that's what I said why is life so irritating so it's really easy when you feel like that to just give up, honestly. It's easy to give up. And so it's possible that that was partially what was happening here with with the Israelites. It wasn't going to be easy to go in and take the promised land. God never actually said it would be easy. He did say that he would give them success in the end, but he never said, hey, you know, I'm going to just easily give you guys the land. In fact, in Deuteronomy 22, I think it was, God had said to the Israelites that he wasn't actually going to give them the land all at one time, because if he were to do that, the Israelites would get overwhelmed by the amount of wild animals that were in the land, basically, and they would uh, have a hard time with that. So God actually said it would be easier actually in the long run if God gave the people the land in little bursts. But the people, of course, they're becoming impatient. They want the land now. They don't want to take the land in little bursts. And so they begin to give up. At least that's how I'm interpreting this. Because here's what it says. Manasseh didn't drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shean and its towns, nor Tanakh and its towns. And then all these other towns, Dor, Ibliam, Megiddo. And I'm sorry if I'm, I'm totally butchering these names right now. But the Manassites were unable to take these these towns that they should have been able to take. And it says that they allowed the Canaanites to dwell in that land. But then it says when Israel had grown strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor and didn't utterly drive them out. And that's a sin. It's a complete and total sin what the Israelites did here. They never, ever, ever should have put the Canaanites into forced labor, ever. They should have totally driven them out of the land. The only reason they decided to put the Canaanites into forced labor was because of greed. That's the only reason. They were like, hey, we want slaves. We want slaves, so let's make these uh, Canaanites our slaves. But God actually told the Israelites not to do this ahead of time. He said, don't do this because they will cause you to go astray. Greed is never, ever a good thing. There's actually a verse in James that talks about greed, and it says something along the lines of, A person prays but doesn't get any results from that prayer because they are only praying for things that they want and not the things that are in God's will, basically. So when a person is greedy, they will pray for these greedy things and God won't listen to that prayer because it's a greedy prayer. Now, of course, sometimes God does in his mercy bless greedy people and even give greedy people what they want. But greed is always a sin regardless. So the Manassites were greedy and they decided to put the Canaanites to forced labor. Now, the Manassites actually had a a history of doing this. It said when we talked about this in Joshua that Joshua had to yell, (laughs) had to yell at the Manassites because Joshua was like, what are you doing? Like, like drive the people out go take the land for yourselves. Don't live among them. Don't put them to forced labor. Go take the land. But the Manassites didn't learn at all. And so it says that they uh, grew strong and they put the Canaanites to forced labor. Now in verse 29, it says Ephraim didn't drive out the Canaanites. 
It says the Canaanites in Gezer lived among them. But it doesn't say that Ephraim put the Canaanites to forced labor, but I guess at some point in time they would have. Then it says in verse 30 that Zebulun didn't drive out the inhabitants of Kitron or this crazy town called Nahalol, Nahalol. But it says the Canaanites lived among them and became subject to forced labor. So Zebulun did the same exact thing that Manasseh did. They uh, decided to put the people to forced labor out of complete and total greed. Asher didn't drive out to the inhabitants of Akko, Sidon, Alab, Axib, Helba, Aphek, Rehob. Seven cities, and Asher didn't have one military success. Not one. And so it says, the Asherites lived among the Canaanites <laughs> and the inhabitants of the land, and they didn't drive them out. The, the tribe of Asher was so unsuccessful at driving the Canaanites out that they literally just moved in. And it says that the Asherites lived among the Canaanites. So it's not even reversed. The other ones say that the Canaanites lived among the other tribes, you know, but now Asher's living among the Canaanites. And that also was a complete and total sin. Even though the Asherites didn't put the, the people to forced labor, they didn't drive out the Canaanites either. And this is where I'm going to go with the, the whole church thing. This is what the church nowadays is doing. Because just as the Asherites decided to live among the Canaanites, the church nowadays is deciding to be like the world and live among the world and to live as the world. The church needs to separate itself and make itself very, very different. There are very few churches out there, I think, that have strong leadership. There are very few churches out there that are following God's word. This is causing the church to not only look really bad, but it's causing people in the church to turn away from the church. But the point of the church is to literally spread the gospel to every single creature. And that's like not what the church is doing. The church is doing everything but that right now. And unfortunately, that's what the tribe of Asher was doing here with the Canaanites. They were living among the Canaanites, becoming one with the Canaanites intermarrying with the Canaanites that we're going to find out later on ended up happening. Intermarrying with the Canaanites started worshiping the, the gods of the Canaanites. And the tribe of Asher was supposed to be something different. They were supposed to be an Israeli tribe that set themselves apart as different. I always like to say on the podcast, if the church is just doing the same things that everybody else is doing, like in the world, why would anyone want to go to church? There's no point to go to church at all. You can just go down the street to get the same thing. You can just go to a concert to get the same thing. Why would anybody want to come to church? The church is supposed to be different. Just as Asher was supposed to be different from the Canaanites, but Asher didn't make themselves different from the Canaanites. So it says Asher didn't drive out the inhabitants of, of all these towns at all, and they lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. <laughs> It actually even says the Canaanites were the ones who inhabited the land. Like it belonged completely to the Canaanites and the Asherites didn't take any of their promised land at all for they didn't drive them out. Naphtali didn't drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh or Beth Anath, but Naphtali lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. So Naphtali did the exact same thing as Asher. They didn't have any military success. And they just lived among the Canaanites once again. But it does say after a while, 
the Nephtalites put the Canaanites to forced labor. So another sin. Then it talks about the Amorites who forced the Danites into the hill country, for they would not allow them to come down into the valley. The, the tribe of Dan should have had military success here. They all should have had military success. When they went out against these tribes, they should have had success. So why didn't they have success? That is the question. And I wonder if it's because, you know, Joshua is dead at this point in time. There is no judge of Israel yet. And so Israel is beginning to fall away from God because there is nobody judging Israel. So was it unwise for Joshua not to appoint another judge? Possibly. But because Israel didn't have a judge and because they themselves were not studying the law, they begin to do whatever they want to do and to fall away from God. So this shows right here the importance of a strong leader. And as we get more into the judges and why the judges were necessary, you're going to see that the judges were supposed to be strong leaders that were prophets that communicated with God directly. And when Israel has a judge, almost always they end up going back on the path of God but when they don't have a judge, they fall away, just like right here, just like everything we're reading here today. And so that's another argument I'm going to make with the church. Remember how I mentioned that there are no strong leaders in churches? This is a huge, huge problem because strong leaders help make a strong congregation. The congregation can only be as strong as the leader. So if the leader is weak, the congregation is going to be weak. And I'm not just talking about the pastor of the church. The pastor of the church, yes, is very, very important, but it's also so important for a church to have a strong elder board and not just an elder board. It's also important for, for children's ministers in the church to be strong, for youth ministers in the church to be strong, for worship leaders in the church to be strong. And if these people are not strong, and when I mean strong, I'm talking about biblically sound individuals, the church is going to fall. Even if one of these people are weak in a leadership position, the church will see the consequences of that as that ministry begins to fall away from God. This is why it's so important to vet everybody. And even scripture talks about that. There's a verse, I think in first or second Timothy that talks about how a church shouldn't be really, really quick to appoint a new leader. You need to make sure that that person is very biblically sound before appointing them as a leader to your church. And I know I've talked about this subject at nauseum, but the reason I'm so passionate about the modern church is because I've seen the damage a church can do to somebody. I don't think there's anything quite like a church hurt. And I've experienced a lot of church hurt in my past, and I know others who have as well. Church hurt and churches can cause more damage, I think, than anything else in some ways. Because what you believe spiritually is the most important thing about you. So if you are damaged spiritually by these, these terrible pastors and leaders that say that they love God and they're going around damaging people spiritually, that is one of the worst things I think you can do to somebody. And this is one of the reasons why it says in scripture that leaders and teachers are going to be judged more harshly than anybody else. So please, if you are a leader or a teacher in a church, 
you need to make sure that you are studying scripture all the time to make sure that you are really aligned with what God is telling you to do. And I'm not trying to be critical. I am saying this honestly for your own good, because if you end up hurting somebody and causing them to fall away from the faith, God is going to judge that. And that is not going to be pretty. So going back to the story, though, it says that Dan couldn't go down into the valley. The Amorites would dwell in Mount Harris, in Ajalon, and in Shalbim. But it says eventually the house of Joseph prevailed. And once again, they put the Canaanites to forced labor. So the last thing I'm going to talk about here, I know this episode's getting kind of long, is greed in the church. So, so far I've mentioned three things that the church is doing here in America that's causing it to fall. The first thing is the church is integrating too much into the world and just doing what the world does. The second thing is that the church has poor leaders. And the third thing now is that the church is very greedy. A lot of times the church ends up looking at just numbers. Like how many people can we get through the doors? How many people can we get to this event? How many people can we do this? Or how much money can we make? How how many missionaries can we support? It's about numbers. And the heart of all of that is greed. And I'm preaching to myself right now because I do struggle with greed. I'm not going to lie. I, I look at my podcast analytics all the time and I'm just like, man, this is so frustrating. Like I want to have more podcast listeners because I put so much effort into stuff. I want the entire world to tune into this podcast. I would love that. And it's a very hard thing, you know, to, to not think that way. Right. But the the first priority of every church is supposed to be to spread the gospel of God. That's it. And of course, God will bring people to your church or to your ministry or to your organization that he knows will be blessed by your church or by your organization. But the main goal should be spreading God because God is the most important thing because he determines where we're going to go after death. So because God is the most important thing in our lives, we need to make sure that our churches are just spreading God, God's love, God's care for human beings, but also God's justice and God's hatred for sin because sin kills. Sin does nothing but bring death. So God hates sin. And we need to share these things with people. And unfortunately, many churches are only looking at how many people they can get through the door. So all they're going to spread is, oh, God is love. God is love. And that is true. But God is also justice. And God is also jealous. And so many other things that the church doesn't preach. And it's all rooted in greed. Just as here, the Israelites, the only reason they wanted forced labor was because of greed. They wanted those people to do the work for them. And this does show the amount of laziness, honestly, that these tribes had. They wanted their work done for them. So they decided to greedily put the Canaanites into forced labor. So my point with all of this is not to air the church's dirty laundry, but to convict somebody that's listening to this that might be in a leadership position. Leaders need to just do better especially if we're in the church, we need to self-analyze and we need to make sure that we are following scripture and not just following scripture. We need to study scripture 
We need to study it in our own personal time and have a true love for the scriptures. And that's how we're going to be successful. We're not going to be perfect. And I'm not saying that the church is ever going to be perfect. I don't think there's a perfect church out there. But I do know that even though the church isn't perfect, the church can certainly be better at spreading the gospel. Alrighty, friends. Well, this was a longer episode, but I hope you enjoyed it nonetheless. Faithful listeners, I have a new t-shirt coming out very soon. My Yahweh t-shirt that I briefly sold for like a hot minute way back, I think in 2021, I had it up for sale and I removed it for some time, but it's going to come back and it's going to come back even better than it ever was. And I know a lot of people that love the Yahweh t-shirt because I gave it away for Christmas and they have a lot of good things to say about it. So that's going to be coming out very, 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 very soon. Anyway, guys, I will see you all tomorrow for an episode out of Acts. Acts chapter two, to be specific, where we're going to be talking about the Pentecost. Faithful listeners, have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your Wednesday. Happy listening and God bless.